Hey, good morning, Rabbi Sai, and good morning to all of you on Zoom. It's really a pleasure to have the seniors back in this building together uh, in one room. We can share the actors. We've been doing it all year over there at Sharad Sedek. We appreciate, shout out to Sharad Sedek for being such fantastic, wonderful hosts. Uh, but being back in our home turf, that is um, truly special. And uh, it's very much enjoyed watching you uh, attempt to play volleyball there. That was nice. Um, okay. Um, you know, Chayisara is a, an astounding parsha. Just to quote the famous Chazal, Amr Biacha, Yafa Sichasin shall Avde Avos if Nehamokom, Yose Mitarasin shall Bonim. Greater is the conversation, or greater are the conversations of the servants of our Avos, of our patriarchs, as far as the Kodesh Baruch is concerned, more than the Torah of the children. What do you mean? A conversation of Eliezer is greater than learning Baba Kama and trying to figure out Pshat and what Mavi is? is what, what, what are you saying here? And... Let's, and when you look at it, and when you see the end of the sentence, we have Eliezer having his conversation doubled up in the Torah. We have literally almost an entire parsha of Eliezer talking. His conversations with Rivka, his conversations with Lavan, with Besuel. Do I need the whole story? You could have just cut it real short. Eliezer took his mission from Avram Avinu, find the Shidduch for my daughter, he Baruch Hashem found Rivka, she came back, Mazel tov. you break the glass, and you drink a L'chaim, Mazel tov. you move on. What, do I need all of these details? And he says, but apparently we need them. Apparently the Torah related them to us. So the, the Eliezer Parsha was doubled up, but so many times, as we know, and we're learning, we're learning Baba Kama, we learned uh, other Masechtas, Throughout the years, we see that sometimes an extra vav, an extra hey, an extra word could be so, so profound in terms of how many halachas we can get out of that and how we learn out different things just from the most subtlest letters of the Torah. And yet here, the verbosity is just it's overwhelming. It just keeps coming and keeps coming. And the answer is, as a Mepharshim obviously explained, because halacha is a halacha. It's certainly very important. And the Torah... And the world stands on the Torah of those halachas. We know that we can't compromise those halachas. But Rabbi Isai, and I'm not saying something from my own, I would never say such a bold statement without, pretty, not, without relying on Chazal to say it. Because no, no human being can say it without Chazal. But Chazal do say very clearly, why do we have the Torah? Why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu give us the mitzvos? Why do we have a situation where there is so much to do every single day, guiding our lives, Evolving ourselves in, in activities, whether we, from the time we get up in the morning, right, left, right, left, right, left, we wash the negavas, so we go to the davening and all the mitzvahs that we do all day. The Raisadik mitzvahs and the Rabbonadik mitzvahs. What, what's all that about? And you could say, well, it's, it's to make us good soldiers, it's to put us in a frame of mind of serving our Kaddish Baruch. Hu. That might, that's true. Can argue that. It's certainly a legitimate answer, but it's not the answer that is given by. Our sages, they say that we are given the Torah because the Torah is the vehicle to purify our character. Torah is the means. 
to become a better person, to be the complete person, to be the whole person. And I know it's ironic. I know people out there try to say you don't need the Torah for that. We can do it. I'm a nice guy. I'm a good person. I'm sensitive and I'm, I'm nice and I'm kind. And I do chess. I do all these things. So the Torah is telling us that's all very nice, but you have no idea what you could be, who you could be, how great you can be, how sensitive you can be without the Torah. You, you have no idea if you, if you, unless you did it with the Torah. Because your natural inclinations, and even working on your midos, even working on humility, and becoming more humble, becoming more kind, becoming a better person, it's all great. But if you don't have the Torah framework to be able to appreciate what humility is, what bitachon is, what is self-sacrifice, what's really important in the shidduch, there's so many aspects in this week's parsha, from this parsha of Eliezer that we learn regarding midos, regarding derech regarding what's important. And the truth of the matter is, it's, the lessons never stop. In every generation, people look at these parshas and look at these words and, and analyze the psukim and learn another deher, another deeper insight into Eliezer, into Rivka, into the whole story of what happened and how it happened in Avram Avinu's request of Eliezer, having him make an oath, the idea of, of, of minimizing the test of Eliezer having the trust in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to be able to say, the first girl that comes and does, etc., etc., that's the girl who, who I'm going to give to, uh, to, to Yitzchak, I'm going to marry her off to Yitzchak, I'm going to make the shidduch. And Rivka's whole response of the chesed that she does, not the way she does it, literally the lessons keep coming. And Rabbi Boy said, these lessons can't be learned with a little letter. It doesn't work that way. You want to include, you want to include another halacha, you want to learn another halacha from above and for hey, okay, you can learn it out. This, this includes that, and that includes this, and this excludes that. I, okay, you can learn it out. When it comes to midos, when it comes to derech when it comes to life, how to live life, the kind of person you have to be, that doesn't come from a hey or an avav. That's why the Gemara says, Gadol shimusho, yosimilimudo. How important it is for people to be connected to tamachachim. How, how important is it for people to be around people who have committed their lives to Torah and who hopefully manifest this incredible idea of Derech of Midos, of Chesed, of Yerushimayim, the proper way. You can't, you can't do that just with a little hate, a little vav. That's why when you serve a Tamachachim, the people, Baruch Hashem, there are people who have this chus, they learn many years, and they have this chus of being around Gedolim. Okay, Baruch Hashem, whether, any Gadol really, you can imagine the last 50 years, people who were literally at the highest echelons of, of uh, leadership in Klai Yisrael. There were people who are willing to give up their learning to, to a significant degree because I get to be in his, in his presence. I get to see how he acts. I get to see how he conducts himself. We lost one of those giants this week. Devastating loss of Rav David Feinstein's Zatzal, somebody who literally, well, everyone sort of recognized him and, and saw him as standing for Torah, a person who certainly was a person who was mafker himself to Torah. You called him, and you were connected to him, and you can ask him day and night pretty much. He was always available, always accessible, sitting in that nice little yeshiva that he could have... <laughs> I, I didn't I get into, I didn't ask questions, but I know for myself this is a person who's such a giant in Torah. He was the preeminent Tamachachim and Posek for the American community. And he could have gone to other communities, bigger communities, fancier communities, and 
And who knows, the covet he would have gotten and all, all, everything he would he could have done. But at the same time, he had a certain A, humility, and B, commitment. I grew up here in the Lower East Side, a community that did not look at all like the community when Ramosha finds his father, the, the God of Hadar, when he moved to the east side back in the 1930s, I imagine, probably. And, and, and then it was one of the thriving great communities. And there where David was, staying in his base of Medrash, always learning Torah, always ready for the people. And you saw something that was astounding, because while from the outside, when anybody in America would hear the words, in Eretz Yisrael as well, of David Feinstein, they would picture this tower of brilliance, this incredible person you can ask a in any per, anywhere, anywhere in Allah. Call a Tarakula, he'll be able to answer you. But what wasn't always so known is this incredible chesed and sensitivity and kindness. Somebody just showed me something really amazing, a beautiful little article or little tidbit where apparently some publication or maybe it was a website, whatever, asked a, a number of gedolim. If you had three people you can invite to a dinner, who would you invite? Three people. And, you know, they asked different gedolim and everyone get different answers. Moshe Benu, the Alshech, the Grah. Well, the Chavetz Chaim, you name it, three people. And each one gave three different people who they would love to have at their dinner. Anybody in all of history. Who, can you, who would you invite to your dinner? If you can have anybody in human history, who would you invite? So, of course, they all gave incredibly wonderful answers of great Torah giants throughout the last 2,000 years of Jewish history. And they asked him, David Feinstein. They asked him, to who, who would you invite? And he gave, in a sense, the most incredible answer of them all. Didn't mention any gedolim. He said, I would invite three poor people to that meal. If I had a meal to, to lavish upon three people, three people, three poor people who I would invite to my table, make them feel good, lift up their day. Because he lived a life of understanding it's that focus on the individual. That ability to get out of your own personal desires and wants to be able to have, have that bigger vision. Rabbi Isai, it's, it's, it's an incredible thing to see, to, to understand. That in other words, we learn Torah. And we have to learn Torah. Without Torah, we cannot possibly exist. May we'll get to it other times in terms of the Torah being the source of our ability to fight the eight Sahara, etc., etc. It's the most critical aspect. We've spoken about it. I will continue to speak about it. But what's amazing is the Torah was given to us so that we could become that personality, that character, that individual who shines, who makes a Kiddush Hashem, who, show, who shows people that's the way to be a Torah Jew. And that's the way it's been with, with the greatest people of our history, their, their, their genius and their... And their ability to shine in Torah was certainly obvious. What really made them special, maybe even more than their natural genius and their total commitment to Torah learning, day and night, sometimes people literally, they would, they would have cold buckets of water in their feet. Their feet would be in cold buckets of water at 2 a.m. To, sure, to, to maximize an extra few minutes of learning Torah. These are things that we just can't imagine the way they lived and their love for the Torah. They didn't do it because they... Because it was a problem. They did it because they loved Torah so much. I don't want to miss another few minutes. We're not quite there yet in our generation. But, but as Hashem, we can at least try to aspire to that. But with all that love of Torah and all that understanding that Torah is a central focus in our lives, and we say every day, the Talmud Torah, Kenegat Kulam, 
What's that all about? It's so that we can become somebody different. So that we, be, we could become that Torah personality from the point of view of our midos and the way we relate to other people. Just to think about Rifki Menu. I mean, today, I mean, you know, whatever, I'm not uh, here to criticize, but it's just so ironic that, you know, when you, know, you have Shidduch, people make up their Shidduch resumes and everybody asks all the questions. I get a lot of calls. You know, maybe sometimes I get maybe as many as five calls a day about Shidduch situations. So watch your step, because one day they're going to call me about you. So, um, so, you know, I get calls. You know, how, tell me about this one. Uh, they, they put you on the resume, so can you please tell me, give, give me this and give me that. And a lot of times the questions don't really focus on the Midos and don't, uh, they don't put that as the highest priority. You see, by Rivka, Emenu, what did Eliezer see about Rivka? He saw Chesed. He saw beautiful Midos. I mean, she came from the house of a lover and a Basul, not exactly the best environment. Okay, if you were to tell, if you would put down in the Shidduch resume, I went to some public school and I lived in some crazy neighborhood, who knows what, and everything was, everything was going on around me, a house of Avodah you'd say, no, that's not for me, I'm not going there. But Eliezer knew, and again, I'm not exa- it's not an exact extrapolation, but the message is still profound. Do you understand what's the real priority? Do you really want to know what you should be looking for in a, in a young lady for a Shidduch? You know what's really important and vice versa? It's the Midos. It's that sensitivity. What kind of person is she? The fact she's got a nice pedigree is all nice, but if there's a certain arrogance, a certain lack of understanding of sneers, of, of, of modesty, that's a problem. That's a problem. With all the great pedigree, can you look a little deeper? The Torah is teaching us look a little deeper. Get beyond, get beneath the surface, get to a deeper level of understanding what's really important. And a person who can show that sensitivity and Baruch Hashem, you guys are, are incredible. And you're, you're unbelievably uh, sh- sensitive. And I, and I say it, I just had parent-teachers conferences. And one of the things I, I said to so many parents was this incredible achters that we see in the class. And the incredible ability to keep, keep together. And respect one another. And it's, a, it's something that really Baruch Hashem has been so beautiful about the school for decades upon decades. Is that people from disparate backgrounds... My wife has commented to me over the years, we go to Eretz Yisrael, how amazing it is that you have guys sometimes two, three years, they're learning in this uh, super strong yeshiva, and the guy's coming, he, he looks stark, he looks like a mentor, he's almost ready to look like a Russian yeshiva. And other guy's coming in, first year guy maybe, so he's got the jeans, he's looking very, and he's in his own work in progress, and he doesn't certainly look like the most serious guy in yeshiva, but you see the actors, and they're hugging each other, and they're having a good time, and they're joking around, and you say, how is that possible? Look at how different they look. Look at how different they are. It doesn't matter. Because Baruch Hashem, when you have this ability to understand that it's the depth of your character that counts, you're able to see beauty in everybody. You see an ability for anybody to be, to shine in their own way. So he's not necessarily the biggest learner. He's not necessarily right now the most, the, the, the firmest kid in the world. But he's got such qualities that are, that are so significant that you can, you can learn from, and you can tap into it's, it's just a deeper vision of what's really important. Eliezer had that vision of Rivka, knew right away. This was the girl, I don't care about what house she grew up in. I don't care what kind of pedigree she comes from. And the yichus of a besuel who maybe, not maybe, was certainly not the kind of person that really you'd uh, want the father of one of the matriarchs of Israel to be. But, and we see, we see it from Rachel and Leah as well. Credible people in the house of Lavan. 
So Rabbi say that ability to see beyond and to be deeper in that regard. It's an incredible story, very famous story, but uh, I don't think I've said this in a long time. The very famous story, Howard Schultz, I don't know if he still owns Starbucks, but he did. He built up Starbucks to be a very large company. And Howard Schultz writes a story that he was uh, on a trip, maybe in the 90s, maybe this was, he was on a trip to Israel with a bunch of really top-flight, hot-shot CEOs, top, top business people, and they had an itinerary of, of course, you know, going to all the, uh, the famous places. And one of the stops was to go to Meisharim and to visit with the Rosh Yeshiva, the head of the top yeshiva, the biggest yeshiva in the world. Certainly in Eretz Yisrael at that time, and it was the Mir Yeshiva, the famous Mir Yeshiva in Yerushalayim. Place where Baruch Hashem, we've had many, many Valley Torah boys over the years be there and be stars there. Still, as we speak, there are Baruch Hashem, some incredible stars in the Mir Yeshiva from Valley Torah. And the story goes that him and his, a bunch of his friends, CEOs, go into the place. You know, obviously, they, they're not that comfortable. These are not religious people. Howard Schultz is a Jew, but he's certainly not, not a religious Jew at that time. And they walk into the room, and they, uh, the people say, the, the rabbi will be with you shortly. He's coming in. Nelson C. Finkel was a person, an incredible person. We don't have the time to talk about him right now, but he had Parkinson's for many years, later years of his life, and he had Parkinson's at that time. So speaking was difficult. His body gesticulations were very, very pronounced, and it was almost uncomfortable to look at him and to hear him because it, it almost looked like he was in such pain. He, he wasn't physically at that time, but, he, but it looked horrible because you know, his body is moving in a lot of different directions. It was hard for him to speak, but he gave sheer every day. And he built up the Mir Yeshiva with all of the challenges to be an incredible Malcolm Torah. Thousands upon thousands of more students were there when he left the world than when he started working the, and leading the Mir Yeshiva. So they're sitting to, there together. Nussan C. Finkel walks in. And they want to hear what this man has. He says, listen, I know you're very busy business people. I know you have a very tight schedule, so I'm going to be short. I just have one question for you guys. Uh-oh. Question? The rabbi is going to ask us a question. We're here to hear from him. We're not here to answer questions. So they all start a little bit shaking. And these are 40-year-old guys making probably you know, a few billion a year. And they start shaking. And then he says, I have one question for you. What is the lesson of the Holocaust? What is the takeaway of the Holocaust? And everyone's saying, please don't call on me. Please don't call on me. And Shirley calls on one guy, and the guy's very nervous. He says, you know, never again? He says, no, no. What is the takeaway? What is the lesson that we can learn from the Holocaust? And Schultz is writing the article. He's writing this op-ed, this piece, and he's saying, I feel like going underneath the table and hiding that makes sure he doesn't call on me. Call on somebody else. And somehow, again, something to the, uh, to the extent that we have to fight to make sure you know, that Jews are safe and that this can never happen again. A nice answer, very nice answer. He says, no, you guys are missing the point. He says, let me tell you the lesson of the Holocaust. Let me tell you the takeaway of this incredibly dark episode in Jewish history. He said, when those Jews were taken in cattle cars to these concentration camps, Set to the bunkers, those who are not immediately wiped out. There are some that are immediately, others who were sent to, uh, to work or whatever. And their, their situation was somewhat delayed. They were sent to the 
to the barracks. They gave one blanket to every six Jews. They counted down. One Jew, two, three, four, five, six. Another blanket to another Jew. And that's the way they distributed blankets in the Holocaust, in the concentration camps, in the work camps. And this was at a time where very often it was freezing cold. The lesson is when that Jew went to the barracks that night, he had a choice. He, he was looking at the eyes of all those big shot CEOs. He says they had a choice. They could have either kept the blankets to themselves and folded it up and not been nice and warm, or they could have sent the blanket to the other five people. Amazing, because the Gemara talks about the great generations where Shisha Miskasa Betalos Echad, with six people hundreds and hundreds of years earlier, were learning Torah with that kind of dedication where they shared, six of them shared one blanket. Was that Jew going to take the blanket and wrap himself up? Or was he going to send forth that blanket and to some degree cover the other five around him? The lesson of the Holocaust is that in the darkest most horrific environments that a Jew, that any human being could ever imagine, we sent forth that blanket. We did not cover ourselves. We shared that blanket with five other people. That's the lesson of the Holocaust. And he wanted to make it clear that the, the essential anchor of a Jew, the Beron Lechavera, the sensitivity, the understanding that my life is here to share with others and to do for others, that concept, he says, that was a lesson that it does not matter on your conditions. It doesn't matter on any excuses. You can literally become a giant in the most horrific situations possible. Because that's a lesson. I want all of you, he said, to take your blanket and spread it to five others. They gave them a challenge to go back to be givers, not just to be takers. And Howard Schultz never forget that message. He certainly tried to do that. He's, he writes in as many ways as possible throughout his life. But I say, that's, that's Eliezer. That's Rivka. That's his parsha. Yafa si chasen shel ovde avos. The servants of avos are able to teach us something so important about life that it's worth writing and writing and writing. Halacha you can get from one letter. These lessons, you need to do it slowly and deliberately. You have to be around people who are giving. You have to look for people who can inspire you and connect you to the right thing, to the right environment, to the right perspective. President Shem, if we can do that, we have our new challenge. We're living in our own world of difficulty. Baruch Hashem, far from what they had to deal with in the 1940s in Europe. But we also have that blanket that we could share. Our challenge is to take our blanket and to send forth, send it forth. Baruch Hashem, you're doing it. Baruch Hashem, you should continue to do it. And the schus of our chesed, the schus of our midos, the schus of working all of our lives on our midos to become the best people we can be. Ad meve esrim. Baruch Hashem, will see that efforts and end all the suffering, end all the difficulty. We'll be zochot to be a shamashach meheri meheri.